This broadcast of the PJC Media Network seeks to present wholesome, thought-provoking, and entertaining content. However, the views expressed by the hosts of PJC Media are theirs and theirs alone. They do not reflect the views of this network or its affiliates. Please utilize listener discretion. everyone and welcome to the let's talk about it with jenny white show each week we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about these issues concern children and adults who may be autistic have asperger's or have mental disorders of any kind we will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons now let's start the show Hi, Jenny White. Can't hear you. Can you hear me, Jenny White? I can't hear you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White show. Each week, we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about. These issues concern children and adults who may be autistic, have Asperger's, or have mental disorders of any kind. We will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons. Now, let's start the show. Okay, I'm here. Can everyone hear me? I can hear you now. Hello? Oh, you hear me now. Okay. Okay, well, we're talking about March, and March is the month for women to be glorified. And like I said, that's what we knew. We do. We need to be glorified. So I would like to say that Madeline Albrecht was the first female of our American Secretary of State, and she's still in Congress. We have that woman. We have uh, Elizabeth Blackmail, who was the first female doctor, and she got turned down quite a bit. We have Mary Dixon Keys, who was the first woman to receive a patent making straw hats. And, and in 1901, Mary Curry was the first woman to receive the Nobel Prize, and she got it more than once. And we all know Harriet Tubman, yay! She led 750 slaves to freedom. That's a good lady. She also worked in the Civil War as a nurse and also a spy. Then we have we have women who are fighters. We have bold women, courageous women. We have lawmakers. We have educators. We have leaders, believers, high achievers, receivers, 
hope and love. This is only, that's just a few. That's a few. Everybody knows women can do a lot. I'm not trying to knock the men out, not really, but there are women that are really, really good, you know. So uh, I would like to say I have a person here who wanted to say something, and I'm going to get her. This is Mrs. Lucy. Hello? Yes, I'm here. How are you? How are you? Right. And how are you? We have another female. Okay, all my females, you know what I want you to do? I want you to say one sentence. You don't have to say a whole lot of stuff. But I want my females, my females to say something. If it's nothing but, hey, it's me. Okay? Because we know you are good. You're good. You're good. So, Miss Lucy, did you have something that you wanted to share with us? Well, yes, I do, but I will greet you all as a woman during this uh, Celebration of Women Month. And um, I have some other things I'd like to share with you, but uh, I'm glad to be here today on the Jenny White Program. Thanks for having me again. Well, I'm glad you're here, too. Did you want to say, you have to say something about females tonight. This is what I wanted to share with you. Yeah, I just wanted to share just briefly. Um, when we're talking about women, I thought that there was one person that I believe we should all be able to relate to as women during this time, during this season, and during this cultural upheaval that we've been faced with. And I thought that it would be good for us to zero in on none other than the Statue of Liberty. Because oh, this is okay. what I see we as women are fighting for during this time all over the world. We're fighting for the the freedom to express ourselves and to have and to govern our own bodies. And this is what we're faced with, not only here in the United States, but all over the world. I remember hearing um, you know, they would always say you should ne- in other countries they wouldn't let the girl or the young woman be educated. No, don't let her be educated. Just educate the man. And that would keep you sub- in a subservient position um, to just the male and his whims and his desires and things of that nature. But then I heard someone say this. If you educate the woman, the, the young girl, that that woman, because she wants better now, she knows better, she wants better, then she is the one that will move the culture ahead because she will even delay having children until it's satisfactory where she can give them the best within that culture. And it's true. If you remember how uh, Oprah Winfrey went and she opened up those schools, when I think in South Africa and someplace else, that when the uh, rebels came through there, they made sure that they pulled those girls out of those, that school who were trying to learn and then made them took them off some place where they would have to marry these older men and just be at the man's whim and things of that nature. To keep the, the, but that does not make the culture move ahead, you know. And so um, 
as I said before, you know what? The statute, uh, go ahead. I just wanted to say, I, you know, I had forgotten that. That happened a long time ago. Did they ever get back? Yeah. Some, okay. I, I don't know whether they did or not, you know, because they just, you know, dispersed them. But um, all over the world, these women are fighting. Uh, I was sharing with our, our co-host, he was sharing with me, the things that's going on in Iran, where these women and their protests, and one has just gotten killed, you know, because they want a chance to express themselves. I remember... Um, um, and this is what I look at when I see the Statue of Liberty. We call her Lady Liberty. When you look down, you can't see it, but when you look down, maybe from an aerial uh, viewpoint, you can see the chain that used to be around her leg, but it's, but it's not there anymore, showing that she has broken free from whatever she was enslaved to. And this is what I see when I see women today. Right here in our own country, I was sharing, my sister was sharing with me that they're concerned about the birth rate here in the United States. COVID has hit us real hard, okay? And uh, the, the, the population is down. Not only that, um, the birth rate is down. And they were counting how many people, how many new births they have in comparison to what they've lost, and they're still down. And this is very bad for the nation as a whole. They're looking for women to have children, to do this, and, you know, and everybody thinks it's a wonderful thing now that um, the uh, Roe versus Wade has been overturned. But women will find some way to not have a child. They're bent on that. Now, you don't have the control of your own body. And they, but uh, I remember seeing Roland, uh, um, uh, he was interviewing a conservative woman. He said, now, you're saying you want the women to have children, you're taking Roe versus Wade and stuff like that, but you're not doing anything to help in the medical area as far as um, coverage for these women, and women are dying in childbirth. Even at this late date, they are still dying in childbirth, especially black women. And he pointed that out, and she gave some type of flimsy answer, but they think they've won the battle by taking the responsibility of a woman's body out of her hands. Well, you just have to do this to the point where even a 10-year-old who's been raped, messed over, you still want that child to have that baby. You're crazy. Then they could have, been, they could have gone to another uh, state to, where they do have that to have an abortion or whatever. But now if you go back, then they can still say that you've broken the law. Things like this are happening to try to put that chain around a woman's leg, you know, where you have no control over your own, by your own self, on your own, over your own ideas. And it's happening all over the world. You're seeing women, even in the Native American area, they're breaking free from all of this, um, this, uh, this uh, whatever's trying to enslave them. And that's why I, 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 I picked the um, Lady Liberty, because it shows that whatever, it was supposed to be a gift, they say trans gave to the United States because of the, their stand, our stand against the slavery and the fact that we won our freedom from Britain and they won their, they had their revolution and uh, the France did help us in our revolution when they finally got the ships here to bottle in. You know, if you want to look at the picture of the Patriot with Mel Gibson, it talks about all of that. And, um, and they had theirs and they won their independence or whatever they called, you know, their freedom the tyranny that they were going through. But um, 
all over the world, women are still fighting. It was interesting to note that when in Afghanistan, when uh, Biden was pulling out the troops and things of that nature, after being elected for something like 20 years, that was it 20 years, I'm not sure, that these people, uh, these Muslim people were climbing all over the ships, trying to take off. They were on top of the ships, the planes, and it was just to try to get away from the Taliban because it would mean that old type of uh, being enslaved. You know, there was no way of expression. While the troops were there, they didn't have that. But now they would have to go back under this type of living, and they didn't want that, even to risk their lives of sitting on top of a plane that's going to be 100,000 feet in the air as long as you were getting out of there. It was sad. It shows that people want to be free. When you get a taste of that freedom in your life, it makes a difference. Um, and so that's why I picked the, um, the uh, Lady Liberty. That chain is off of her leg. It shows that, you know, whatever they were, she was enslaved representative enslavement, and she was put into New York Harbor to welcome the people coming from those war-torn areas all over Europe and, you know, in Asia coming over here looking for a new life, and they would see her. First, she was like a, a beam of, uh, she was like a, a lighthouse, and then they changed it to the regular torch and things like that. And um, they keep saying it was, um, you know, a gift from France to us, okay? But it was, initially, it was, um, uh, his name was Bartholdi, Frederick Bartholdi, who made this, the statue, and he was commissioned by the Egyptian government to make um, a statue for the, in the, for the Suez Canal with a lady holding up a lamp and dressed in, you know, in Muslim clothes, you know, Muslim attire, to welcome, you know, to, as people came using the Suez Canal. He had already somewhat brought Cairo up to a certain standard of, you know, of, of trying to bring it up into today's society, so to speak. And he had done that. But then he ran out of money, and plus a lot of the people who were working on it, they started getting hurt, you know, and all of this stuff. So they had to abandon that project. And that's when it came over to the United States. We had to make a pedestal for it. And what's interesting, the, the infrastructure that was, um, it was made by Eiffel, you know, he was the man that made the Eiffel Tower in France. And he put the inner, inner, her innards in there to make her sturdy so that she could stand uh, being um, uh, lightning striking her. She moves, you know, and but still can hold her own. She sways with the wind. All of this, you know, the seven, um, uh, those spikes in her crown represent the, um, the continents and the oceans. You know, seven is always a perfect number. She has 25 windows. She's 150, 151, is it feet off the ground or something like that? But you still, I was still focusing on the fact that she is representing women in today's society all over the world trying to be free. And that's what I just wanted to share that with you. Where is this going to go? Okay. Where is it going to end? Uh, I was, it's my understanding that even for Wayne County, when Wayne County opened up its college here, Wayne County Community College, that it was the women going to school, getting their little student loans and stuff like that, that made that college a success. 
And now we're told as women, well, you're, you're so educated and you're so this and you're so that. Well, somebody had to pay the light and gas and stuff. You know, we're 70%, especially in the black community, 7% of a single parent household. Somebody got to keep it together. You're by yourself. You have mm-hmm. to pay not only the basics, but childcare was a big thing. There used to be a time when the families were more knitted together, but it's no more. And so you're getting your education to get a better job and doing this. And I know my son told me, he said, the most educated women in the world are black women now because they have gone to school. They had to go to try to break even. Even when you go to a job where they're paying the man one salary, he don't have to be educated, but you you still get a lesser salary trying to make it, but you had to go along with the program. Now they're saying that we're acting mean and all of this and trying to move up in it. You know, we sure, you can buy your own house, you can buy your own car, you can pay your bills and all of that, but we're losing. Now they're saying we're losing our families because you're not in the home, <laughs> you know. It's always something, something there. But um, the change had to be made. I know this one minister shared during the early 1900s, a man could take a belt and whip his children, and with that same belt he could beat his wife, you know, and there was nothing you could do about it, nothing you could do about it at all. That had to change. The, the men could vote. The women couldn't vote. And remember, Sojourner Truth came out with this, uh, her speech, Ain't I a Woman?, trying to show that you keep blaming the woman for everything, but then won't give her the power to change things. And when the women got the power to vote, then you saw a difference in, the, in, the, you know, in, the, in life in general. You saw a difference because they could exercise that right along with the men. But I just wanted to share that with you. When you look at the Statue of Liberty, you can only see that chain uh, from the air. You can't just see it, you know, look, you know, you have to be in an airplane or a helicopter. But that chain off her leg, off her leg represents the freedoms that women are fighting for all over the world now. And I just thought, since this was Women's uh, Month, that we would reflect on that. So when you look at the Statue of Liberty, uh, a lot of people are saying that uh, it's, they, it holds a lot of secrets. In other words, uh, it's the free, they were Freemasons who put it together, who really wanted it and all of this stuff, and uh, it could be, you know, all of this and uh, the secrets and all of this stuff, it could be. But when I look at it, I look at the freedom that women are fighting for all over the, all over the world, even for their children. They're fighting. They're fighting. They're trying to do a little business so they can pay the bills and get these kids educated as best as they can. Thanks so much, Denny White, for allowing me to share with you that. There is a song yes. now that I, 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 if you, I didn't hear you. you. I just said you can do that anytime. Okay, there's you a song. You were going uh, it's to a sing? Song. No, I would like, I was hoping, I, I got it on my television. And um, it's called You So Black. Her name is Teresa Songbird. It came out in 2019, but I mean, the way she puts this thing together, I wonder, let me see if I can, if you can hear it off my television. I don't know if you can, but the way she puts it together, she really, you know, let's see, let me see if I can bring it up. Okay, tell me if you can hear it clearly. You so black. Can you hear it? Yeah. You so black. When you smile, the stars come out. 
I hope I hope you enjoyed that. Hello. Uh, I couldn't get all the words. You didn't hear. I, I think that you should have written it down, and you could have said it. You know. No. Well, anyway, you, I, you couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You couldn't hear it. it. Uh, yeah, it started fading out at the end. Oh, okay. Then. Okay. Right. Anyway, I think she would have been so black. It is on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, I think he would have done a great job. I really do. I think. Well, uh, thank you, anyway. I think all my ladies are pretty good. I do. I really do. Um, What I want my ladies to do. I have, and I think I said uh, these words. I did say some words. And I would like for my women to put their hand up on their number one, and I'm going to give you a word, and you can make a, a sense. Well, you can do however you want it. You can make a sentence or however you want to do it. But this is for women only now. But I won't I won't let my people, my males go down. <laughs> if they would no, like no. to take a, a word and and make a sentence out of it. I think they could do a good job. Um, now, I'll do a first one, and you guys can kind of get it. I'm just going to take, well, I'm going to say the words first. The words are fighter, bold, Lawmaker, educator, leader, believer, high achiever, receiver, hope, and love. Now, these are not all of them, but they're, that's just a few. 
And the one that I will take is educator. And I was an educator for years, and I loved it. I like teaching the older kids. I don't necessarily um, did with the younger people. But then every month we would go to the news and my kids would have all right, you know, type their uh, whatever they were going to put in the paper. And that's what we did. And that was really, to me, it was. And when I retired, then I started I started writing books. But I had written a bit a book way before I started teaching. And I went to the library and got a lot of uh, authors and publishers. And I sent it to them. And you know to see if they could, <laughs> if they could, you know, print my uh, book, and a lot of them said no, no, no. You know, and the first one okay, you know, it hurt. The second one hurt, and the third one said, if you give me five thousand dollars, I will <laughs> put your book out. You know, publish my book if I give you five thousand, and that's when I knew no, it's not gonna work. But you know, I didn't know. This is something I've been trying to do, and I guess that's why I'm doing it now. And I've had so many to get me to go different places, like California. They had my book. And they wanted me to come out there and so the people could see me and this, that, and the other. It's a lot of different things to that. And um, that's kind of far. And then they wanted me to pay all this, you know, anyway. But educator uh, was my word. I love teaching. I love the kids. I love teaching kids. And it's just little things, little things. You don't understand and you don't know what kids pick up. You really don't. One one of these, uh, one of my students, after one of my students had passed, and one of my students asked me to pick her up and take her with me. And I did, and as we were walking, and she told me, I remember when you were telling us about trash on the street and throwing and spitting the gum on the street. And she said she stopped doing that. And you never know. You never know what the kids get. You never know. And that one little piece just made me feel so good because I was teaching the special needs kids, and that was one of my kids. And she said she would never 
did any or put anything down on the ground. So that made me feel good because it wasn't anything big, you know, but it really helped me and it helped her. So that's why I picked educator. But any of these others, fighter, bold, course, um, uh, lawmaker, leader, believer, high achiever, fever, hope, and love. Anybody can raise your hand and I'll call you, but I want my people to say something. You know, even if you just say the word and maybe you can spell it. And that's all. I'm not asking you for a a prayer or a sermon. (laughs) Lucy? You want to meet me? (laughs) Just one. Fighting gold. The thing that I relate to which one is um The only thing I can read really, I don't know if it's the word, but I can relate to is where I, I worked for 37 years, and that was in the, um, the social services department trying to make a difference in the lives of women and children. And um, I was thinking about this one um, woman that I, um, I always tried to push my, workers to, my, my customers to work. You have to get up and work and try to make them more, more responsible. I remember this one woman, her son's name was Mercedes. I thought it was a pretty name. But um, I encouraged her to work, and she would work, and she would say, well, Miss Payne, I can make it if I could just get some food stamps. And so I tried to make sure that, you know, during that time she had food stamps, and then, then she bought herself a home and things like that. You know, was able to move up on her job. But I have always tried to encourage people to be, independent, especially women, because they were the main household, you know, to keep the household together and trying to find ways of, you know, bringing them, their children up to where they wouldn't get caught up in the system. And uh, that's the only thing I can think of, you know. And I was there for 37 years. So did you I worked like for your job? I hated the job, but I liked my clients <laughs> because of so much responsibility. And anything could happen. And then when I, be, I was supervising about about twenty something years, uh, I supervised okay. about twenty something years. You know, but I wanted to see them move ahead. I wanted to see them do. I wanted to see them not get caught up in the system and stay there. But you got to move ahead. This is just a just a jump start. That's what I wanted, and I kept pushing for that. A lot of them did, and a lot of them didn't. But that was my encouragement, to, you know, trying to encourage them. You have to become self-sufficient and keep it. You know, I referred them to okay. trying to get child care and things of that nature. And um, I, I got the experience of learning to work with men when I went to, I became an addiction counselor, like, at the Church Rescue Commission Ministries. I was there for about four or five years. And I saw what black men were going through, if you don't mind me saying it. I was with women. But I got used to seeing what they have to face 
And I enjoyed that a lot also, working with the men, as to how you can get them off the drugs and independent and able to fit into society again. I, I enjoyed that. It was something new for me, but I really enjoyed it. Okay. That sounds good. I'm going to ask my uh, co-host. Yes. Hello. I Can want you, you to get a word. Okay. Uh, fighter, bold, educator, leader, believer, high achiever, receiver, hope, and love. And you might have one of your own. Uh, well, we'll go with love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with love, um, <laughs> especially uh, unconditional love. Uh, oh, yeah. But I, I think that first you have to love yourself there before you, you can love others. And... You have to make sure that you are in a good place to um, pass your love on to others. I think that... That's um, a a good thing you said. Uh, What's that? Let me ask you this. Can you love someone if you don't love yourself? Is that possible? Uh, I think you, I think you can. I think you can. I think that it's unhealthy. Um, and, uh, I think that if you love someone and don't love yourself, then I think that there's unbalance that you, you know, that person will probably, uh, give everything that they have to that individual um, and may not receive that necessarily receive the same back in return. So I think that um, you know loving someone else and not loving yourself is very unhealthy, unbalanced, and dysfunctional. Uh, I think yes, that you know that per- that person you know that sounds like that would be a needy person. You know that person mm-hmm. needs, you know, whoever they're they're in love with. They they need them to be there for them, um, because if they're not there, sounds like you know that person probably has um, low self esteem. If yeah. they don't uh, love themselves, and um, uh unrealistic expectations uh, in regards to what they feel happiness is or love is. Um, So, yeah, I think you can love someone and not love yourself, Uh, but I just think that that's a bad combination for all involved. (laughs) I think that's a lot of pressure, especially Mm -hmm. for the person that's receiving the love. I think, you know, the person that's giving it to them, would be uh, requiring a lot of attention or demanding a lot Mm -hmm. in return, um, thinking that 
that will um, that will make them feel whole when, in essence, uh, they have to love themselves in order to feel complete, uh, and they can't rely on someone else to give that feeling to them. So that would be um, what I would have to say about love. I think love is what we need more than in the world. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a lot of war going on and conflicts and uh, people mm-hmm. trying to uh, keep other people down. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, like Tina Turner said, what love got to do with it? Yeah. Sometimes people make a business decision. They don't necessarily marry for love. They marry for security or whatever it is that, you know, they mm-hmm. marry for. True. Some people marry for love. Some people marry for money. So. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's my yeah. word. Anybody else? Okay, have any good. Words? No, that was very good. I've got, that was very I've got some good stuff I wanted to add to uh, this Wednesday. Okay. Day. Um, well, we're listening. One, okay, okay, well. Um, one thing is uh, women's suffrage, which is. Uh, the women's right to vote. That was a big deal. Uh, so they, so Congress passed the 19th Amendment on June 4th, mm-hmm. 1919, and ratified it on August 18th, 1920. The 19th Amendment granted women the right to vote. The 19th Amendment legally guarantees American women the right to vote. Achieving this milestone required a lengthy and difficult struggle. Victory took decades of agitation and protest. Beginning in the 19th century, several several generations of women suffrage supporters lectured, wrote, marched, lobbied, obedience to achieve what many Americans considered a radical change of the Constitution. Few early supporters lived to see the final victory in 1916, almost all the major suffrage organizations were united behind the goal of a constitutional amendment. When New York adopted women's suffrage in 1917 and President Wilson changed his position to support an amendment in 1918, the political balance began to shift. So on May 21, 1919, The House of Representatives passed the amendment, and two weeks later, the Senate followed. 
when Tennessee became 36th state to ratify the amendment on August 18, 1920. The amendment passed its final hurdle of obtaining the agreement of three-fourths of the states. Secretary of State Bainbridge Colby certified the ratification 26, 1920, changing the face of the American electorate forever. Mm -hmm. So congratulations, women, for... Thank you. uh, Thank you for that long, hard, (laughs) difficult struggle, right, to uh, get this ratified. As it says, the campaign for women's suffrage was long, difficult, and sometimes dramatic, yet ratification did not ensure full in in French franchisement. Decades of struggle to include African American and other minority women in the promise of voting rights remained. Many women remained unable to vote long into the 20th century because of discriminatory state voting laws. So uh, so it's been a fight. It has not been easy. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about uh, the 19th Amendment and uh, women's suffrage. I think that's an important milestone um, for our country and for women's rights. And I'd like to highlight um, a great historian, a lady named C. Vivian Stringer. She was a, she's a basketball Hall of Famer, and she's the only coach to lead an HBCU to a national championship game, national basketball championship game. And that yeah, happened, oh, yeah, that happened in 1982, uh, title appearance against Louisiana Tech. Uh, so, you know, predominantly all white teams, but she led this all black team um, to the, the championship game. And uh, talking about her and her legacy, it says the stringer has guided teams to 28 of 40 NCAA tournaments and remains the only coach to have coached three different programs to the final four, including Rutgers and Iowa. Now, the the team that she led was Cheney State. It says, before Stringer built those dominant programs, the foundation of a coaching legacy began on the campus of what was then known as Cheney State College, where she catapulted a tiny historically black college and university onto the national stage as one of the top programs in women's college basketball. But in her first Final Four appearance during the first NCAA tournament, National College Association, Athletic Association tournament, holds a special place in her career. And so 40 years later, on March 28, 1982, Cheney State 
made history when it appeared in the inaugural NCAA championship game against top-seeded Louisiana Tech, and the game was played in Norfolk, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, to this day, Cheney is the only HBCU program, women's or men's, to appear in either Final Four or National Championship games. Uh, I saw um, they did a, they highlighted her on um, television in a, in a little brief documentary, and they showed that during that time, they highlighted, you know, the final four is the last four teams to play. Um, and so because they were the only black team, one of the T-shirts had pictures of three black, I mean, three white female basketball players on the shirt, which highlighted the final four, but it only showed three three white women, three white basketball players, and they didn't highlight the black team. So that's the racism that they had to deal with. So so see Vivian Stringer. Um, And uh, one of the coaches that followed her said that she said, when I walked in Cope Hall Gymnasium every single day for practice, you still felt that presence there even 30 years later, said Niagara University mm-hmm. head coach Jada Pierce, who was the coach at Cheney from 2004 to 2006. You felt that presence of C. Vivian Stringer. Four decades later, former Cheney player Yolanda Laney remembers details of Cheney's historic one. She can readily tick off the teams the Lady Wolves toppled on their way to the championship game. First they beat Auburn, then NC State, followed by Kansas State and Maryland. And Laney remembers the starting five who stepped on the court in front of a sold-out audience at the Scope Arena to witness history. Laney, an All-American who would be named to the All-Tournament team, a point guard, Rosetta Guilford, a tournament All-Regional selection, starting as shooting guard, Valerie Walker, another All-American named to the All-Tournament team at Small Ford, Deborah Walker at Power Ford, and Sharon Taylor at center. And so as the Lady Wolves prepared for the title game, Stringer told them to expect a mirror image of themselves. But Cheney was a smaller team than Louisiana Tech. While Cheney had shooters and quick guards on the side, Louisiana Tech could counter. Uh, so they just uh, go on to talk about uh, the game and um, how they – uh, surprised everybody um, in making it that far. Said the team also couldn't afford a bust. Stringer said that when the team defeated Maryland in the Final Four, administrators were overcome with joy as the money they would receive due to the win could help fund their bus ride home. They said, we didn't even have a band, Stringer said. If you look at the band, our colors are blue and white. It was the team from Norfolk State 
they were green and white. We didn't even have our own. Uh, we didn't have, even have our same band. So the band that played for for the HBCU was the the uh, team at the gym in Norfolk that they played at the Norfolk State Band. We did not have anything, but we believed in ourselves and we were talented. We went with what we got. That's uh, fighting against adversity. Um, They just said that the other team was better than they were. Um, They were bigger. Um, And it says that they had uh, the Lady Texters, that was Louisiana Tech, had won the AIAW championship the year before and had lost just one of their last 68 games. So so they, had, so they was like 68 no. So they, they were unbeatable. Um, but C. Vivian Cheney, I mean, C. Vivian Stringer uh, did a great job in leading that team to what stands today as, the only HBCU program to make it to a Final Four or a national title game, and that's been 40 years ago. So, yep, and that's man or lady, black or white, leading an HBCU. I mean, for the most part, I believe all. I believe all HBCU. Well, I can't say all HBCUs have black coaches, but. Um, I would think that they would. It's an opportunity to give black coaches an opportunity to coach. So they can't always get that in the PWI institutions, the predominantly white institutions. So when you um, have an organization that's um, a school that's set up to promote blackness, I think that you have to have black people in key positions. And I think some of these black colleges are kind of getting away from that. I mean, you know, I, you know, they um, are starting to integrate other races. And you know, I think some of these other races are using them. Um, uh, I don't think they're using affirmative action. I think they got away with, they did away with that. But they're kind of saying discrimination, you, you know, you can't discriminate you know, against them. Uh, and I think some of them are using up some of those scholarships on some of the sports teams. Uh, so it's... Uh, yeah, you know, too, they had to think about the uh, money, too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's so... So C. Vivian Cheney is my... Um, spotlight is, you know, historian uh, for this week and talking about her brilliant legacy as a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so women have um, done a lot and continue to do so even though you um, – there's still a fight to receive equal pay. 
and also Serena Williams um, initially, oh, yeah. I think, really promoted that in tennis where the purses should be, you know, the winning um, purses should be as much as the men's. You know, the men have one amount and the ladies have another one. I think that uh, it worked very diligently to get that uh, on a level playing field. Uh, and I still, uh, still think there's an imbalance. Uh, I think the soccer teams uh, have been doing the same thing, uh, boycotting and, and, and protesting to where they um, – want equal pay uh, as well as the men. So, I mean, I haven't heard of any women signing 30, 40, 50 million dollar contracts a year uh, in sports, you know, like the men. I don't think women's sports has that great of an audience to where they can demand that type of money, but as far as uh, winning in tournaments and things of that nature, they um, have been able to make some headway in that. So if we have any callers uh, that would like to make a comment or ask a question regarding Women's History Month or share a um, uh, fact on um, someone in women's history that they would like to share, feel free, press the one on your phone, and uh, we can talk about it with Jenny White. All right, Jenny yeah. White, you, um, would you like to go to a commercial break and then we can come back and close it out? Well, I don't think so now. <laughs> no, okay. But, no problem, no problem. Yeah. I would just hope that uh, some of my listeners would just get one of the words and make a sentence that I just wanted um, them to do that. I think that would be good. But they can say bold, uh, fighter, lawmaker, leader, believer, high achiever, receiver, hope, not so cold, not so cute, light, life, power, uh, just any word, any word, if you would like to say that, say anything. If not, that's fine. That's fine. Um, is TC here? He's always got something to say. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, so I don't know. If they want to participate, just press the one on your phone. If not, we'll keep it moving. I know. Uh, TC, are you here? Uh, Let me see. Okay. Well, there is no one that wants to say anything. So maybe next week when you come out, you'll have something to say that you want to say because it would be nice. I think I want to hear what you have to say. I think that would be nice. So this is, let me see, we got five 
Fridays. So we have five five days to talk about women. We have to find something to say for women. Somebody can uh, create a song. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, come and sing to us. Yep, or make a poem. You have one, or make one. So that would be nice. At any rate, if you don't have anything else to say, we can go and wait till next week. And is there anything that my co-host would like to say before we leave? Uh, No, just want to enjoy highlighting uh, Women's History Month. So, okay. Um, we'll keep keep bringing up. Uh, we'll keep bringing good information. Well, I appreciate you uh, talking about us. Do they have a men's month? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's every month. Oh, oh, that's every month. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's every month. That's every day. something before we go? Well, I agree with our co-host. Men's month is every month. (laughs) Every holiday you got off named after somebody is is, is a white man. So, MLK. (laughs) So, there you go. No, No holidays named after women yet. Okay, well Yes, I have 10 things to give up Well, that's just the top of it I mean, it's not necessarily me giving it up But uh, the first, number one is excuses This is 10 things to give up Number one, excuses. Number two, self-doubt. I thought that was a good one. Three, fear of failure. Now, I know that happens, but, you know, that's okay. If it happens, get up and start again. Number four, procrastination. And That's the big a lot one. of people have, uh, huh? <laughs> I was just That's going to say, big. oh yeah, is is one of my uh, what my middle name? <laughs> Ours, yeah. Yeah, number five, people pleasing. Six, fear of success. Number seven. Negative thinking. Don't do that. Negative self-talk. Number nine, judgment of others. You know, and you know 
some of us like to talk about other folks, okay? So we need to stop doing judgment of others. And the last one is negative people in your circle. So if you are in a place and, you know, they're talking about other people, you know, we need to stop that habit. I think that would be a good habit because everybody does something wrong. We all do. So, you, you know, it. it doesn't bother. Huh? What did you say? Well, I said, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, let us not just got to talk about somebody else all the time. You know, and that's what I said I was I was not going to do. Cause what does it do me? If I, <laughs> I mean, if I'm talking about somebody else, so what? You know, so I, I don't have time for that. Nope. So that's what I've had to say, and I hope you guys have gotten something. And I hope that you will be here next week to do some more. And I hope that you can bring something to us and we will listen. So just to tell you, I'm glad you're here and I hope to hear you next Friday. And tonight, it's over. That's been Let's Talk About It with Jenny White. This is the end. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Have a good week. Thank you, mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Oh.